We are back, baby. We are back. That's we right. are back. You are looking live. We get after it. You know, we jabber jaw. We go tit for tat. We have our little differences. Let's get funky like a monkey. And here we go. Hello and welcome to the Moose and Ruins podcast. This is episode 280 of the pod, a holiday pod for that matter. A Merry Christmas. Christmas, a happy holidays, a happy Hanukkah to you and yours. Uh, you know, we celebrate here on the Moose and Ruins podcast and we celebrate the game that we love. It's a crazy week 15 in the NFL. One of the crazier weeks, and I know recency bias, knee-jerk reaction, whatever. One of the crazier weeks I can remember, at least this season um, and in years past, I'd venture to say years to come. We're going to get to it all here. Uh, first and foremost, Matt Rooney, how are you? And I asked that specifically because I have some inside information that you're already a Johnny's Beef deep prior to the report recording of this podcast, and it almost claimed you? Yeah, you know, it didn't almost claim me. It wasn't like a choking scenario. It was just like one little piece of a tiny little like sliver got caught in the throat, and it gave me like this tickle that hasn't really gone away. But, yeah, it's uh, it's noon here on a Wednesday. I am a Johnny's Beef deep. I um uh, we, we usually record this at about 9.30 or so in the morning. Joe asked me if I could do it at 11.30. I said yes. Then I woke up to uh, a text from his, his lovely mother who cuts my hair asking if I'd come in an hour earlier. So I obviously obliged because, as I told Joe, Debbie is, is, is greater than Joe. And all of this. I'm saying she's <laughs> does a great job cutting my hair, and I wanted to oblige her. So I did. And, uh, yeah, obviously got my beef. It was a little bit earlier than I usually have it. But, yeah, I got my nice little morning Johnny's combo. Uh, well, that is quite the way to start a podcast. Quite the way to start a day. I myself, um, I, I can't, I can't speak to awesome. any sort of, I can't speak to any sort of uh, culinary. I a couple eggs in the morning here. My oh. coffee. You an um, over easy guy? You a scrambled guy? Uh, I'm a, I'm a sunny, I'm a sunny side up guy. Again, if we want to really credit Debbie Musso for more than just the hair here, um, you, you let that edge set. And then a little water in the pan, you cover yeah, you it up. Yeah, you steam it. Yep. So you, you get that you get that over easy casing on the top, but you never go for the full flip. So it's, it's nice to not have to flip it because then you never have to worry about breaking it. Breaking it. It's a sunny side up with a steam finish. I know I'm not uh, I'm not really unearthing anything here that people don't know, but give it a try if you have not already. So that's what's in our bellies. But here's what's in the rundown. We're going to take you through some Bears football. Again, a crazy week 15. We will give you those locks of the week and don't look now. But with three weeks to play, they find themselves where they always do. Not at eight Five. and seven. I think. I think we just take a second here. Wins, losses, whatever it may be. Pat ourselves on the back yep. for being above five hundred. We're still five hundred at this season. point. Um, uh, no, we're above right eight and seven. Oh yeah, seven. that's right. Well, I, I guess yeah, yeah, in yeah. terms of gambling odds, we're probably right about as a show. As a show, we're two games above five hundred. So don't shout out us, now, folks. Uh, shout out to us. Uh, big pat on the back here. But uh, let's dive in because I, I don't know. It, it felt like a. You hate to call it the perfect scenario because it was a loss, but we're looking for losses and we're looking for our team to play good and show signs of, um, I don't know, again, uh, progress moving forward. So much bad on this team and yet yet and still Justin Fields continues to be a reason to watch, a reason to enjoy, a reason to be hopeful. I believe he was sacked on six of 27 dropbacks and still does what he does, surpasses the 1,000-yard rushing mark for the season. It's been simply spectacular. I'm tired of seeing him get bruised and battered, but some of the things that that uh, lack of a pocket creates, it's – I mean, you can use whatever adjective you want here, but it is unbelievable to watch some of the things he's capable of from strength, speed, and finishing ability. I mean, specifically, the mind goes to the the big scramble that was 
ruled out of bounds there at the nine or whatever it was. But um, I don't know. Thoughts here on Justin Fields as he completes his first real season as a starter. And I kind of frame it as that because I'd have no problem if Justin Fields didn't play again this season. And I know that's not going to be the case. just pulled an, oh, my arm. I can't play anymore. I mean, you see him at the the end of the game feeling for a hamstring. He's taking these hits. I guess two-part question here, Matt. What would you make of the Week 15 performance? And part two, what is there left to accomplish for Justin Fields this year? There is uh, absolutely nothing left for Justin Fields. Other than breaking Lamar's single-season record. Yeah, which I don't – like. I, I, if he wants to take a shot at that, great. I don't think he necessarily really cares about it. He said in the piece, I think he said post game something along the lines of like he hopes that he doesn't have, like he doesn't want to be running for a thousand yards every year. Like he's doing this, like this year it's it's happening out of necessity, but in the future, this is not something he wants to do all the time because he knows it's not sustainable. So I think that's a very mature thing to hear from him. Um, I think you saw him lead his team late and throw, you know, throw a nice touchdown pass to get them back in the game late. So I know it wasn't the late game winning drive, but okay, for all you talking heads in the media, there's your late game fourth quarter, throwing the football, bringing your team back into the game for you. There's nothing left for him to accomplish this year. He's already, he's proven he's the guy next year and going forward. He's proven he's one of the elite talents in the NFL at the quarterback position. And quite honestly, he's proven that he can put a bad or let, I guess, yeah, bad football team yeah, on no, his back an and compete with yeah. the best teams in the NFL. Like, that is the best record-wise team the NFL has to offer. And Justin Fields was throwing to somebody named Simba, and they lost 25-20. Yep. to 20. Like, he Simba kept them in. Like, yeah, like, that's, that's where we're at. Justin Fields had that team within an onside kick or a three and out of winning that fo- or having a chance to win that football game. I only laugh. I'm only laughing in the background here because I just opened up by mistake. Uh, you know, I'm a CBSSports.com guy, but ESPN, uh, the current front page says we redraw oh, the yeah. top 15 of the 2021 NFL draft, and it's Justin Fields in a Jets jersey. And I just had like a chill go down my spine. He's mine. Yeah, he's he's mine. our guy. He's ours. Stop trying to That's put him it. in New York already. Um, but it was again. I mean, here by the numbers, uh, a day that. We won't remember because it ends in a loss, and I don't think we'll remember a lot of this season other than this was the year that Justin took those strides forward, uh, quite literally. But 14-21, a buck 52, two touchdowns, more importantly, no interceptions, and then 15 carries for almost 100 yards again. He, he's been He's been fantastic, but we know that. We get that. Moving forward with this team, we're identifying pieces that we want there. Um, the defense really impressed me in this game. I Not agree. to suggest that there's a bunch of guys that, were, that are going to be there next year. I think there's a handful of them, maybe one up front, one at the linebacking level, uh, and some and some DBs here. But um, where did that come from in your eyes? Because I was expecting Philly to come in and sort of dictate what they wanted to do. Not not just because of the Bears, because that's what Philly's been doing to most teams this season. For the Bears to come out with that effort in that moment against that team, what'd you really take away from the defensive performance? I mean, I think it's just continuing to buy into what, you know, they're being coached in this coaching staff. And I think the defensive effort is more of an, uh, an attribution to the coaching staff and how good of a job they've done with them this year. Um, I, I know Jalen Hurts didn't have his best game and obviously got hurt there in the third quarter, but you saw guys flying around and I think you're seeing these young, I, I obviously 
undrafted rookies is not a way to build your defense, but you're seeing these younger guys get a chance and you're seeing these younger guys probably want to be a part of something here because they know this team has a chance to be a part of something. And if you are a cheap and if you come cheap and you're pretty talented, you're going to get another shot next year. Like a Jack Sanborn's playing for a shot next year. Jalen Jones is somebody who got exposed in his first couple starts and is starting to play a little bit better. Like you're having these younger guys who are still playing for jobs next year, playing better. And then you're having guys like Kyler Gordon progress. Um, the pass rush still yeah, okay, isn't quite like, there, and you don't have like, those guys. I, just, I think they're well coached, and I think all, the effort's there. Great, great. Do you really think that there are more than four guys on no. the defense that are going to be on that defense? Oh, God, team? no, 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 I don't. Okay. But I think you're also playing like, for – but if you're if you're Jalen Jones and you you know have an interception or you play, you play pretty well, you're not playing for a starting job next year, but you're playing for a yeah. spot on special teams and as a reserve corner when somebody gets hurt. Like, you're still playing for a job in the NFL. Yeah. Um, I think that they had their hands full as a defense and they comported themselves just about as well as you can ask. Um, impressed by the fact that they're trying to go out there and win football games, but at three and 11 now, you haven't won in two months. You got the Bills coming up. Um, I, I don't know. Snowball. It's, it's Bills, Lions, Vikings to round out the season. Um, I, I, I still struggle with this celebration of loss. Um, I know we have a lot to address in the offseason. I know we have the money to do it. I know we have enough picks to do it. Um, what, what do you want to see accomplished here over the final three weeks of the season? Like what, what constitutes success? Because I guess it's sort of layered into that idea of sitting down Justin Fields is my ability to just detach from outcome. Because if that's the case, they've detached from outcome. I detach from outcome. We're all good here. Mm-hmm. I still, I still like every Sunday when Fox opens up and shows Fields warming up on the sidelines. Like, okay, Bears football, let's go get a W type yeah. feeling in your in your stomach. Like, what do you want to see accomplished here in these last three weeks outside of just like, hey, Jack Sanborn looks good. Maybe he's a piece at the outside linebacker position. It's 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 tough because I know what you mean, and I feel that same exact way. Like the Packers' loss was a gut punch. This one wasn't as big of a gut punch because it was twenty five thirteen late, and you, you kind of saw the writing on the walls. But like. The farther separated, the more I've kind of like the, from the game, the more I become like, all right, that was actually a good thing. I want to continue to feel those gut punches at the end of games, if that makes sense, because yeah. that means they're in the game. That means they're competing and they play three pretty darn good football teams to end the year. And if we're in the fourth quarter with chances to win or competing or it's not a blowout or this game is not decided yet, obviously the Jets game doesn't count because Trevor Simeon played. It wasn't Justin Fields. But if Justin Fields is playing like, I want this team to be there. I want this team to be competing. I want this team to you know show that buy-in to what the coaching staff is is obviously coaching them up on and teaching them. Like I want to see that buy-in and compete level there because I think knowing how to compete is is actually more important in the NFL than you know learning how to win. I think eventually talent wins out. I don't think the whole learning how to win in the NFL really matters all that much, but having that compete level I think is a whole lot more important for this young group and I I, I just if they can continuously show that they can be there with the Eagles, with the Lions, with the Bills, with the Vikings in fourth quarters of football games, and then you go out and add a bunch of talent to this roster next year, man, I, I think you're going to start seeing them win a lot of those games. Um, and I hope that we very early in next year find an identity that doesn't require number one to do everything. Agreed. Because that's that's just not a sustainable um, – that's just not a sustainable – 
uh, approach to winning football games is putting everything on this guy to be both the run and the pass game. Now, David Montgomery did have a very nice game, saw the end zone twice. Um, I think Jalen Johnson, notable the way that he covered one of the most dominant receivers in the league here in A.J. Brown. He was great. I know he got, I know he got beat a couple times, but even when he was getting beat, they were like high point balls where he's just not the guy who's six foot four in that, mm-hmm. in that exchange. Um, so I, I like that he was in AJ's pocket. He's obviously a winning piece moving forward. Um, I, I don't even want to like open the offensive line can and start that conversation. I, I kind of do because I want, I always sure. want your point of view on those things. Like, we see the guy with the back problems and the neck problems go down with back and neck problems. And that's unfortunate, but it became even more apparent how thin we are beyond even guys who have question marks that are on the starting offensive line. Like, is there, I guess when you look at free agency draft, I'm not asking you to like assess all of the talent there, Mm -hmm. but like, are you confident that in a year's time, that in the next four to six months, we can, put a group in front of Justin Fields that makes you feel good about him standing upright. I am. Uh, I am because of how much I, I, how much is out there in this free agency cycle. I think they have, I think you have two starters that you can count on coming back next year. Luckily, Tevin Jenkins uh, appears to be a dodged major injury, whatever that was. Yeah. I don't know what it was. It seemed to be scary. Apparently dodged it. He's um, not, I think he might've been cleared to practice, but I think they're doing the, probably the right thing and not practice whatever. I, but, it seems like he dodged it great. I, I, I'm high on Braxton Jones. I think he's one big bulking offseason away from being a very good tackle in this league. And you have a lot of money and you have a lot of free agency assets to go out there and get. I'm confident that they can build an offensive line from what they have now and what there is to go out there and get. It's on, I, okay, I, guess, I think you've I guess seen more them play better. I'm, I, I'm, I guess I, – I, don't mean to cut you off there – What's but what's annoying to me, or not annoying, unfortunate, I should say, three weeks ago, I would have told you I'm confident we had three starters coming back next year. Now I'm down to two because I don't know if Cody Whitehair is healthy. I don't know if that money is going to be worth it at age 31. He hasn't been the same. I know he's back on IR. He hasn't been the same since he came back from the first stint on IR, so I don't really know what's going on there. And offensive line bodies don't get healthy healthier after age 30. So that's, that's the frustrating part for me this week is I think I went back from – three starters coming back next year to now we're down to two and a question mark. Yeah. And um, I was going to say like more specifically here, I think we saw a little bit more Alex Leatherwood there on the right mm-hmm. side. This Like, is that, is there anything there? I mean, uh, Alex he Leatherwood wasn't, he wasn't our problem. He wasn't our project. No. Now he kind of is, but in looking to, um, in looking to address literally four of five starting offensive line positions, maybe three of five starting offensive line positions, is he someone you see a part of this line next year? I think I'd like to see him back in the room um, with a, as yeah. I'd like to see him in that depth piece where he can kind of play all four of the five positions um, and fill in on week to week, because as we've seen this year and every year with the offensive line, no offensive lineman's playing 16 games and you need almost set six to seven starters on the offensive line. So I think uh-huh. he's somebody that you can see come back next year, but if he's your starting right tackle next year, you're not like, you're not dead, but you don't like, you don't want that to be that. I think that would mean something went wrong in free agency or you lost some guys you thought you might had. Um, I would like to see him back in turn in, in a, you know, depth, uh, depth role. Um, I think that that would be, I think that would be, like you said, 
a nice piece to have in the room, someone that you'd like to see there from a depth perspective, because I mean, now we're getting, we're getting wishful uh, worrying about guys past the top five, but it's, it's yeah. reality. You have to be seven deep at least yep. with a couple, like with a couple hybrid pieces that can really address the multiple issues that are going to arise throughout a season, guard tackle split types, a guard who can play center, so on and so forth. I mm-hmm. mean, you saw what the bill, you saw what the bills had to deal with and losing their starting center um, this past week. And almost seem, I mean, there was a couple drives there where they looked a little uncomfortable, but almost seamlessly getting back to just chunking the ball downfield with that. I think we can get hung up here on the bears, but it's a lot of what we've seen already this season. I think we dive into the, unbelievable slate that was here on uh, on week 15 Um, starting off on Thursday night, San Francisco and Seattle, San Francisco behind Brock Purdy comes away with another win. Um, Game wasn't even as close as the 23 13 suggests because of a a really shoddy uh, Nick Bosa um, roughing the passer call that took six off the board from that defense. San Francisco's defense is the best in the game. You can talk as much as you want about Dallas. You can talk as much as you want about the Jets San Francisco, and I know I know it's a friar idiom, but the pride in pursuit that San Francisco plays with is so much fun to watch on the defensive side of the ball. They fly around like they're – and it's not because the offense is bad, because the offense is fine and does more than enough than they need to. It's like, though, when their defense is out there, it's like the old Bears teams, like when we were like in the early 2000s, it was like, just get the offense off. I just want to watch the defense because they're so fun to watch. Like, and that's kind of where I'm at with this 49ers yeah. defense. <laughs> and I, I quite honestly, if I was if I was making a Super Bowl pick now, I think I have them winning the Super Bowl. I love how they're playing. They seem confident under Brock Purdy. He seems like he's smart enough to just kind of roll and be that perfect game manager that Jimmy G was for them and even seems to take care of the ball a little bit better. Um, I'm I'm all in on San Francisco with what we've seen from them lately. Yeah, I think that uh, it's furthermore credit to Kyle Shanahan too, what he's doing offensively, that first touchdown, the look left, look right, Kittle wide open in the middle of the field. He's going to keep coming up with things that you haven't seen or we haven't seen in a while. Um, and it's going to keep putting Brock Purdy in a position to succeed. And then we got to Saturday and led things off with a 33-0 start for the Colts. Just put it in cruise control. And here comes, comes Minnesota all the way back, 39-36 in overtime. The, and this is not hyperbole. This is statistical fact. Mm-hmm. The greatest comeback in NFL history. Over 100 years of the game being played, no one has ever come back from down more points, and it's the Minnesota Vikings. I, like, I don't know if this – it's a good thing or a bad thing for the Vikings. The win is obviously a good thing, but you have to be pretty bad to get down 33 nothing to the Colts. And to know that you have that in you, I think would be a couple days removed. If I was a Vikings fan, that would be the bigger feeling. It wouldn't be the, oh my God, how about that comeback? It would be the, we were down 33 to yep. the Colts. Are we going to be okay? Like, that's my takeaway. That's where I'm at too. Like, hey, that's great. You won. And you know what? You obviously further positioning yourself for more home games in the playoffs. That's great. You were down 33 to nothing to arguably the team that has the least going for it in football today. At home. <laughs> At home. It's such a mean way to put it. It has the least like, going for it. Is, is there a team? Maybe Denver has. Uh-huh. No, Denver has a great defense. Like, they at least have something going. Like, yeah. Indy's got nothing going for them. And they Indy's were up 33 to problems. nothing. Like, yeah. that's, that's a problem. Uh, I think Minnesota has problems and I think they will eventually be exposed come playoff time. Um, But all you can do is win the games and beat the teams that put in front of you. And that's, they won the football game. I really thought though Uh, we were getting a tie. 
I thought for sure we were getting a tie when that started when that clock started dwindling, still tied at 36. Yeah, I mean, we were tied with 40 seconds left sub midfield or something like that. Like it did not, it did not look good. Um, and it felt like a game, you know, sometimes you're heading towards a tie like we were between Washington and New York, and it felt like, okay, this game's supposed to end in a tie. The greatest comeback in NFL history had to either happen or not happen. We couldn't deal with the qualifiers of, oh, technically it was the greatest comeback because they didn't lose. I just yeah. not wanting to do that on air. So uh, glad that we got an actual result here. Baltimore-Cleveland was an actual game with an actual result, but I didn't really actually learn anything here other than I think my Baltimore point from two weeks ago with them falling out of playoff contention. Now they did pull off that win right after that statement that probably regardless yeah. will keep them in that final AFC playoff spot. But man, is it pointing the wrong direction right now for the Ravens? Yeah, that was a, a I mean, I know Lamar's hurt, but still the offense just looked an up. The good thing for them is the defense is playing very good football and going up against the Falcons, going up against the Steelers again, I don't think they're going to beat the Bengals in week 18, but like, I think their defense is probably good enough to get them a win. Um, But still, it's not looking good for them. I think that Steelers game did give them enough to get into the playoffs at that last spot, but boy, I don't, um, I don't think it looks good for them. It's like, it's like, how do you do it? How do you do it without receivers? How do you do it without actual running backs? How do you do it without your quarterback? How do you do it without your tight end performing to the level we expect of him? Like, there's just not really – I think that they have, like, an offensive line that keeps them afloat. They have a decent enough run game when you add up all the parts. And then we're not – I don't think we're giving the defense the credit it deserves. I I know they're – it's Cleveland and you – allowed 13 points, but I don't care who you're playing. If you keep a team under 14, I think you should have a good chance to win. Baltimore is just like an enigma right now, and I think that there's going to be a team licking their chops to get that look on Wild Card Weekend. Like, that's that's when we talk about the teams, oh, you don't want to see this team? I really think somebody is going to want to see Baltimore. Yeah, I think that's the team you want to see. Regardless of Tyler Huntley or Lamar Jackson, because you're, there's going to be a lot of revisionist history here. Like, oh, Lamar got hurt, and then they got bad. They were bad like two, three weeks before Lamar getting hurt. There was that little moment in the middle of the season where Baltimore looked to have figured it out, and here they come, maybe being the one seed in the AFC, and then all downhill from there. So Yeah, it was they I've, beat the uh, Saints on Monday night in Tampa back-to-back, and then it was like the Panthers they barely skated by, looking at the Jaguars they lost too late, the Broncos they barely beat. I think that might have been when Huntley came in, but yeah, like, they just something looks wrong. Something looks off. I don't know what it it's is. It's been. Uh, I think it's been a very. It's been back to back seasons that have taken on very similar paces for this Baltimore franchise. Uh, yeah. Rounding out the schedule on Saturday was an all timer, and not even. I don't know. It's an all timer. It's not even the second best game of the week. Uh, Miami and Buffalo. Somebody turned on the snow machine with five minutes left with Josh Allen and the All Reds driving his team down the field. Uh, I do have to applaud Tua and Miami here for uh, holding themselves up better than I thought they might in that type of environment. Um, Looked like it might get out of hand in the middle of the game. And then Miami, you know, they score one and they stay in the conversation. Uh, Again, I think this was, uh, now this was a weird situation where two weeks ago we talked about Miami completely getting away from the run um, when they were gashing, what was it, San Francisco, I think two weeks ago. Mm Mm-hmm. I believe it was. They were gashing San Francisco, running the ball effectively, but getting away from the run at weird times. Here they commit to the run in cold weather, and then they get to the fourth quarter, and again, 
Mike McDaniel gets away from the run. And I mean, the way Raheem Mostert was running the ball in that game, I wanted to see him continue to run the ball. But I, I truly think that he has this thing where he looks down at his, at his sheep and almost looks down at the box score and says, oh, no, Tyreek's only got four touches and we're heading yeah. the fourth quarter. Jalen's only got three touches and we're heading. Like, he almost has, like, touch counts, and that affects his play calling. And, yes, you got to get the ball in the hands of Tyreek Hill as many times as possible. But if you are getting it seven a pop on the ground, why stop, you know? Yeah, no, I, I agree with you there. Um, it's just, it seemed like an odd strategy in the fourth quarter, but I will say I was impressed by, I, I was impressed by them hanging in that game because everybody yeah. in, everybody in, uh, who had a platform ever was saying that was a Bills roll, a blowout. The Dolphins were dead. They were circling the drain. They were right there, had themselves a chance to win that football game late on the road against a really good Bills team. And as, as much as a, uh, you know, especially in that situation, you're competing for a football uh, for a playoff spot. Excuse me. Like moral victories don't really count in football, but that's one you can kind of build on and be like, hey, guys, we're right there. Like we should beat the Packers. We should beat the Patriots. We should beat the Jets. We take care of business. We're going to go to the playoffs. It's not going to matter. We'll get another crack at the Bills. I think that's the approach they have to take. Uh now, will that next crack matter? I'm not sure, but the Bills, I'd say something to keep an eye on when you're watching the Bills. I have the luxury of having the truck feed even at home uh, on my computer. Mm-hmm. By the truck feed, I mean I don't get commercials. Yeah. I essentially stay on whatever shots the truck is uh, teeing up to come back from break. So I see that stuff, and I see some stuff that then doesn't get chosen to come back from break on. And there were some very interesting uh What's the word I'm looking for here? Some very interesting interactions or lack thereof between quarterback and receiver and Josh Allen and Stephon Diggs. It feels like a, a relationship with some really high highs and some low lows. And it felt like despite the, the win here, Stephon Diggs was very frustrated with his lack of usage in this game. And Josh Allen just had to kind of put on the Superman cape and, and do his thing. And I, I don't know. I, I think they'll be fine, but it's something to, something to look at moving forward. That's all I'm saying. We moved well, to Sunday. Stephon Diggs wants a new home. Chicago will happily take him with open arms. With open arms. Philadelphia and Chicago, we went over that one. Matt's lock of the week does not hit here. Uh, takes the L as he wanted the over and came up a field goal shy. Uh, Atlanta and New Orleans – no, nope. happened. Uh, Detroit and New York. Uh, the Lions keep their hot streak alive with a twenty to seventeen win over the Jets. Some bad clock management. Some bad Zach Wilson and a team that's believing right now in Detroit. Uh, I believe their playoff odds bumped to around fifty percent. Um, they do have some games here down the stretch, but are you like where are you at? Like, are you good store? Are you? Nice story or something real with Detroit? I think it's kind of something real. Like I think so, too. I don't think if they get in the playoffs, we're talking about the Ravens of the team that everybody's like, oh, oh, yeah, it's fine. We'll play the Ravens. I don't mind. I think if they get in the playoffs and San Francisco, well, okay, I think San Francisco would beat them because I love them. But, like, I don't think anybody wants to play Detroit because that team is playing good defensively and that offense has just found a different gear. And I know they, they only 20 points is not a, a great offensive day, but that's against one of the better defenses in football. And there's just a sense of belief and buy-in in that building that we haven't seen in forever. And they're actually like a good, talented football team. Like I'm, I'm buying into what they're doing. And if they get in the playoffs, I don't think anybody's going to want to face them. Yeah, I, they're, they're, I think that's a really good point, that they are the inverse of a, of a Baltimore Ravens team. Like you're looking at Detroit and kind of saying like, how? Mm-hmm. why like they don't have the pieces 
they don't have a reason. They don't have a head coach who, I don't know, checks the boxes of a normal head coach. And that's why they're succeeding. I think that they've really taken on the, uh, they've taken on the personality of Dan Campbell, this whole bite your kneecaps. uh, We're going to be more physical and to go into East Rutherford and put up 20 points on a Jets team. That's not giving up 20 per game this season is, is something to uh, pat yourself on the back about if you're that offense. And then defensively, that's where they've grown the most. Like they've been scoring points this season, but defensively they've, they've started to match uh, the other side of the ball here. We had Pittsburgh and Carolina, uh, Pittsburgh 24, Carolina 16. Uh, it's a Mitch game. I guess that's no. the most notable thing here. Oh, I uh, thought you were going to give me a nope as well from like we did with Falcons. No, 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 no. I, I, that is very, that's nope adjacent, but anytime yeah. 10 God gets a win. Fair enough. Anytime we, we so, would never disrespect Mitch that way. Good for Mitch. So we'll, so we'll give him that much. Uh, Dallas and Jacksonville, another wild one. I believe Dallas was up, was it 27-3? I think was like the largest. 27-10 is what I saw. 27-10. Yeah, yeah, they were up 17. Yeah. They were up 17 in the second half. And here comes Trevor Lawrence. Here comes Jacksonville. Um, that's okay. So here's my, my takeaway for Jacksonville is that they got some, they got some piss and vinegar in them much like Detroit does. Um, interesting statistic here. You are one and two draft positions last year. Jacksonville and Detroit are both within a game of a playoff seed right now. So you can get things turned around in a hurry, I guess is the point to be made there on the Dallas side. Very good football team, very good defense, very potent offense, but I think what they lack is that they lack the killer instinct. That's it. The things are going wrong. Let's put our foot down. Like when things start to go wrong, they're a momentum team. If momentum's good, they're gone. They're winning by 50. Like they're putting up 33 in the fourth quarter. If momentum's going bad, there is no stopping the bleeding for some reason or another. That's just like sort of how I see them right now is they're, I don't know if you call that a front runner, but um, no, that that is, they are front runners. When the going's good, they're great. When when there's signs of adversity, for two straight weeks here, they skate by Houston and then they take an L at the hands of Jacksonville. Um, wh- where's your panic meter right now in Dallas, Matt? I mean, they're just – I wouldn't call it a panic meter, but, like, they're going to make the playoffs and then they might win a game and then they're probably going to lose to a team that's better than them because that's just kind of what they do every year and they haven't really shown that they're capable of doing otherwise. Like, it's kind of – they're – this is just more confirmation of when, like, I'll uh, I'll believe it when I see it with Dallas kind of mode. I'm not going to believe that they're a Super Bowl contender or can can, can get till champion two championship Sunday until they do it because they just don't. They just really who's, don't do it. Who's more? So this is kind of like a big cat steal here. But sure. who's more the Vikings? The Vikings or the Cowboys? Oh man! Well, it's more the Vikings because he the does, Cowboys because he does the like Vikings. a. Kirk Cousins, like yes. everybody's Kirk Cousins thing or whatever. He they they did beat the Vikings forty to three. <laughs> so no, no, I'm not I saying have... I'm not saying in a head to head. I'm just saying in like your uh, your projection of disappointment that's on the way here in the playoffs. Well, I guess who's more the Cowboys than the Cowboys or the Vikings? <laughs> We're talking about we've... playoff disappointment. Who's going to lay the egg? I think we've talked ourselves into a pretzel here. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, on the other side, though, Jacksonville, now we talked about a little bit last week. They needed a little bit of help. They needed a win. <laughs> Excuse me. Like an unsched- oh, wow. Kind of an, an unscheduled win with the Titans loss. We got that this week. Jacksonville mm-hmm. now controls their own destiny in that division. Um, I think they're going to win that division. And like kind of like the Lions, you don't want to see them in the playoffs without Trevor Lawrence is playing and that buy-in they have there. 
Uh, can I, I'm not disagreeing with you, but can I just offer a moment here that hopefully that you can't control your own destiny by virtue of destiny. It's out of anybody's okay, control. My God. So I, I hate the saying, I hate they the control, saying. They the control, they control their own. We're going to hear it's a saying it's a, it, there you go. It's a saying we're going to hear a thousand. They're in the driver's the next seat. Three How about weeks. that? They're in the driver's seat. There we go. There, like I said, I didn't disagree with you. It's just words matter. Okay? Can I make a, words can matter. I make a Moose and Runes future lock of the, I don't want to be weak prediction, future lock prediction. And if I win it, I win every, okay. every lock year yearly contest that we do for the future of this podcast, the 2020, fair, but okay. it's fair. If I call this and it's right, then it is fair. The 2025 Super Bowl. So not next year's Super Bowl, the year after Bears, okay. Jaguars, Trevor Lawrence versus Justin Fields. Uh, let me get you a location there. Cause we're Vegas next year. Mm-hmm. And then, Trevor Lawrence and uh, Justin Fields will be playing at Caesar Superdome in Louisiana, where it is. I like it. Other year, I like it. <laughs> I think we've Sunday, even seen February twenty twenty five. Pencil us in. We saw those two oh, quarterbacks wait. play in the Sugar Bowl a couple years ago, where Justin we, Fields won. Yeah, and did that we, was where did they win beat it? the Ohio State beat did, Clemson. That's where Fields had that great deep ball to Olave that we always see. Yeah. Wasn't eighty five? Wasn't eighty five in 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 Louisiana in New Orleans? It was. Too, I'm not mistaken. It was. So, all right, we're, we're full circle here. We're full circle. Sign us up. Uh, back to the action at hand. Uh, Kansas City and Houston. An out of pocket sort of pacing to this game. Kansas City wins it in overtime. Probably shouldn't needed to, especially because Patrick Mahomes threw the ball forty one times and completed. 88% of his passes. Wild. This this defense is this defense is a worry for Kansas City. I think I, I think if you're looking like zoom out big picture power ranking type thing, Bills are back at number 1 for me simply because Philadelphia's quarterback situation is up in the air and I guess we didn't touch upon that when we talked Bears but um going to be a little bit of time without Jalen Hurts. A couple Hurts, weeks for Jalen like, Hurts, probably. You know, Seems like playoffs always, will be fine, but yeah. Yeah, we're always good for like one game of Minshew Madness, and that'll probably get you the top overall seat. You probably only need one more win if you're Philly, so whatever the case may be. I still, just where they're at, with the question mark there, quarterback, I, I put Bills number one, and I'd love to put the Chiefs number two ahead of uh, ahead of Philadelphia, but I can't because of that defense. I think that that defense is such a big question mark right now. And unless over these next three weeks, I see something that tells me, don't worry, I'm going to be worried in the playoffs about Kansas city. Yeah. And then like we talked about it last week too, and we've seen it so many times in the playoffs, like their offense just sometimes gets into these little lulls that they just can't really snap out of. And when they're electric, they are electric and they're the most quick strike, fast paced offense in the NFL. But like, when they just kind of flip it into cruise control, they don't have the same ability that it seems like they had three or four years ago to just snap back out of it. And they just sometimes can't snap out of these streaks. And obviously they ended up winning this game because the Texans are a terrible football team. And they ended up winning last week against the Broncos because the Broncos are a terrible football team. But like if they get into these lulls in the playoffs against good football teams, like we saw it against the Bengals last year, they, they lost, they couldn't score in the second half. Their offense stalled and they ended up losing the football game. Like it's going to cost them come playoff time. I, I just – we've seen it before, and it feels like we're sort of on the way to seeing it again. Uh, shout out to Jarek McKinnon for sort of having a renaissance here in his career. Offensively, they're still extremely potent. Uh, you have Patrick Mahomes, you have a chance, but the defense does have to be better. Yeah. Denver, Arizona, 
the Brett Rippon game, Denver gets the W, 24-15. That was Brett Rippon versus Colt McCoy, and that's all that needs to be said. New I'm England, good. Las Vegas. It wasn't the greatest comeback in history, but it might have been the wildest final play in regulation in the history of the game. Matt, we didn't get an answer from Bill Belichick. We will never get an answer from Bill Belichick. Tied at 24, do you believe there was coaching to run a lateral play? Because I the, don't. Most sen- the most sentient thing I heard here was, I believe it was, again, to credit the part of my take, guys, PMT, I believe, made the point that the finger should be pointed at Ramondre Stevenson. 100% agree with that. Because once Ramondre Stevenson pitches the ball to Jacoby Myers, Jacoby Myers in real time is saying, wait, why did he do that? Are we losing? What am I supposed to do? Like everything yeah, what Jacoby am I missing Myers here? knew, everything Jacoby Myers knew going into pre-snap was thrown to the wayside because he was like, why did I just get pitched the ball? I need to pitch it again. Not to just completely absolve him of any uh, responsibility here. A little bit of responsibility has to go to Mac Jones there for not doing a little bit more to try and get Chandler Jones on the ground. I know tough situation, but like grab some face mask, man. We'll take the 15 on the next play, but you can't. We'll take an untied down, but we can't have that happen. Unbelievable ending that keeps Vegas's slim chances alive. And I think that this is now New England still in great position when it comes to that AFC playoff picture, but I don't see them being a team that can really bounce back from this sort of gut punch with the team that they have. No, I, uh, I mean, I there's a lot of non Patriot things happening. Uh, and, and that outcome is the biggest one this season. Yeah, you know, I, I think we're learning that everybody wanted to say, was it Tom or was it Bill? And I think it was both. And I think we're starting to learn that with kind of both teams this year. Like it was the combination of the two of them. And that was just the most non-patriot way to end a football game ever. And guess what? You said they're in a great, you think they're in a great, you know, player still in a good spot. They finished Bengals, Dolphins at Bills. They're going to finish the, se- the rest of the season 0-3, so they're going to lose four straight and miss the playoffs because of it. I think that's like – there's no, there's not coming back from that. Yeah, but also like, like I get it. But I think if we had any sense about ourselves, this is the year we stopped giving Bill Belichick the benefit of the doubt moving oh, forward. Oh, I agree. He put, a, he put a defensive coordinator in an offensive coordinator position. He didn't acquire any receivers for his year two uh, quarterback who's shown some signs. He pulled that year two quarterback in the middle of the game and broke his confidence for some time in, in relief of uh, – or in, to, to turn to Bailey Zappi. Yeah. He then wouldn't answer who the starter was. It's just been the least Patriot turn of events over these last, let's say, 18 months. And I think that we should – I think that we should be questioning what the future of the – of the new England Patriots is at both the head coaching, the quarterbacking and just the general franchise uh, direction is right now. I agree. I, I, I am truly starting to wonder like when bill just decides like enough is enough. And when he wants to step away, um, like all the buttons he's pressing seem to like, he seems to believe in his ability. And I think his ego has probably gotten big enough by almost no fault of his own, because if you're that successful. You're going to believe in what you're doing all the time. But like, I think he's just stuck and still thinking he's got Tom Brady as his quarterback and can win that way. And we don't have a quarterback like that. You need to try new things. And he's just kind of stuck in his own stubborn, old stubborn ways and can't shake out of it. Like I'm kind of with you. I think we're getting to the point here where 
there needs to be a decision made. Either he kind of needs to change his ways and kind of go, you know, adapt or die or just retire. Yeah. I think that, um, I don't, I don't think we're close to either one of those things though. So I think it's going to be looking like this for some time, uh, Tennessee, LA, Tennessee floundering right now, four straight the wrong way. They've welcomed Jacksonville back into the conversation for that division. Uh, the chargers wasn't their most, wasn't the most beautiful, uh, presentation of offense, which they like to kind of be and do regardless of win and loss. But I think there's almost value in that to win an, win an ugly one, drive down the field, get the three, get out of town. I guess it was home, but um, get out of the stadium. (laughs) Um, But another win here for the Chargers to keep them in the conversation. I'm, I'm putting Tennessee. I think Tennessee has better pieces than Baltimore, but like trajectories right now, I think are very similar. Yeah. I I don't think any team would have a problem playing them in the first round. And I think you're seeing a Chargers team. that's like you said, learning how to win different ways. And when you have a quarterback like Justin Herbert and they can beat you in a bunch of different ways, they can beat you playing pretty good defense with a defense. It's probably getting, you know, going to keep getting healthier as the season goes on. You hope that they don't get any more banked up. They start to get some pieces back and you have a quarterback that's playing as well as he is. If they can get healthy, you know, to stay healthy offensively, that's going to be a team that not many people want to face. And that Chargers team is very talented. And yet Tennessee just seems like they're kind of floundering. They're dead in the water. Like, it, it just seems over there. Like they, they've gone as far as they can with the let's hitch our wagons to Derrick Henry strategy. And mm-hmm. it just, it can't get them much farther. Not that Derrick Henry's dead by any means. He's still a very good running back, but the man needs some help. Uh, he, he's, he's getting, you know, he, he's been doing this for a while and he can still be, a, be your best offensive player, but he can't be your only offensive player anymore. Um, we're going to rapid fire these last few before we do in a week of superlatives, we have the greatest comeback uh, Points-wise in the history of the NFL, we have one of the craziest finishing plays in the history of the NFL, and we have one of the most ridiculous interceptions in the history of the NFL in this game. The Tennessee uh, bat it back into play. Josh Kalu taps his toes. Unbelievable, Unbelievable. INT in that game. So a, a play of the year nominee as well. Uh, Cincinnati, Tampa, Cincy 34, Tampa 23. Tom doesn't shake Joe's hand. That bothered me. New York and Washington. Uh, Giants win 20-12 to 12 on a series of questionable calls. I mean, yeah, if, I'm a that was weird. Fan, if I'm a commanders fan, I'm pissed. I'm pissed about no penalty on the last play pass interference. I'm pissed about some gray area BS. Am I on the line? Am I not on the line? The I'm pass interference, about- the pass interference would piss me off, obviously, but like those are blown calls and they happen sometimes. Like I would, I can get over that. The one that I cannot get over is Terry McLaurin clearing it with the official asking him, Getting the nod twice. Yeah, but and there's, then there's you a see little, the official reach for I didn't see the second flat. nod. I didn't see the second nod. He checks to see if he's on. The guy clearly gives him a move up. Terry moves up and then turns his eyes into the ball, never looks back, just gives a thumbs up to the ref. And I don't clearly see a thumbs up back. So whatever. I just think that's a weird time to enforce it. Usually, yeah. especially as someone who went through that process every play for 14 or whatever the case yeah. may be, however many years I was playing wide receiver. It's usually, especially that late in the game, me and you, ref, we have a rapport at this point. Am I good? I'm good. Beautiful. Am I good? Give it a step. I give it a step. Whatever the case may be, it's usually question, answer, action. Yeah. That's it. It's never a question, answer, action, question, more action, more action. Like, it's never, am I good? No, I need you to bump up. I bump up and then, no, I need you to bump up more. Like, that's just that, that just doesn't happen. So, weird situation there. Earlier in the game, you had a quote unquote pick play that we've seen a million times this year get flagged. 
So they don't go for two. They kick the extra point. They don't get the extra point. Butterfly effect, it affects the game. Just a weird series of events. And unfortunately, NFL officiating in prime time with another big black eye. It's, it's a tough look. But it's the Giants with a win that changed their playoff percentage drastically and a loss that changes uh, Washington's trajectory in a big way as well. Yeah, it's just it's it's a very tough break for Washington. Uh, they didn't play their best football game, but they deserved a whole lot better than they got from the officials in that one. Uh, where are you at on Taylor Heineke? Do you not like just like person? I, I like him. Um, I, I think he is. I think he's got a little. I think he's Baker Mayfield without a Heisman. Like he's like he's got too much swagger. I, I don't know. I don't know. I, I, I think going, you can do worse. I'm going down the wrong road here. I think I, you I think can do that, worse than Taylor Heineke, but I don't think you're going to win. Like, you're not going to win a Super Bowl with Taylor Heineke. Can yeah, Taylor no, no, Heineke be your quarterback that leads you to, to 10 wins? I guess I'm trying to make yeah. it more personal. I, I guess I'm trying to make I just, oh. I'm not sure that I like the persona. Forget that. I mean, the football player is going to bounce around as a backup for the next decade or something. I don't know. But um, he's he comports himself as if he's an NFL MVP and – doesn't really match it with the play. That's and a fair point. Good on you. Good on you. You need to have that self-confidence. It just, I think it comes off the wrong way from time to time. Doesn't I can matter. See that. It's the commanders. It's not going to matter. Chargers, yeah. Green Bay. Green Bay's still alive within a game and a half of playoff position. Uh, Rams. Rams, yes. Yeah, yeah, excuse me. Rams, Rams, Packers. But I'm just locked up on the fact that there's, I don't know. The, the projections are saying that there's a 12% chance that Green Bay makes the playoffs, and I feel like there's just a 100% chance. I, I, think, they're gonna win. I think they're going to win out. We're going to have to listen to Packers fans. It's going to be a pain in the ass. and that's I really bad. don't think they are. Like I thought after That's what I thought after they beat the Cowboys. When they beat them at home and they were dead, they were dead as dead. They lost 15-9 to nine <laughs> at Detroit, and Rodgers threw those three interceptions. Then they come back and beat Dallas, and they're like, oh, maybe you know we're not dead yet. And then the Titans come into town and kind of just stomp them on Thursday night football. Like that's yeah. kind of where I'm at here. They have to go to Miami and, you know, uh, if they win this week, then I'm with you. Then I think there's a hundred percent chance they're making the playoffs, but I don't know. This, this kind of feels to me like you know, the, the comeback win against the Cowboys and then they just come back and get stomped against a decent team. One can only hope. That is week 15 in the NFL. Again, Matt's lock of the week did not come through there on the Eagles, uh, Bears, under. Over. over. And, or excuse me, over. And the if, you're talking about, if you're talking about a guy seeing the board, uh, back-to-back weeks, two weeks ago I gave you Seattle team total over, cash it. Following week I give you Seattle team total under, cash it. Okay? So that, that's how I'm seeing it right now. And I'm going to stay in on sort Seattle. Of, I'm going to stay. No, I'm all in on San Francisco now. I, I'm getting off of Seattle. I'm I'm passing that baton to draw another through line here to my picks. I'm going to go San Francisco. Uh, I'm actually they're not mentioned in the play here, but they are the reason for the play. I'm going Commanders team total under 15 and a half. I'm betting on the San Francisco defense one once again against a really short number, just like they were facing a week ago, just like they came through for me a week ago. Commanders team total under 15 and a half in week 16. Never a bad bet. I am going with uh, the Cincinnati Bengals. I know we glossed over their game a little bit. Slow start. Uh, still ended up covering against the Bucks. Absolutely demolished them kind of late in the first, second quarter. Early. Oh, my God. That third half. quarter for the Bucks. Just oh, Four turnovers, four scoring drives, four touchdowns. Um, Joe Burrow it's, hits all three different receivers. Is, when is Joe Burrow wild. gets in a rhythm, like yeah. his rhythm and when he's in his zone – 
it reminds me of Tom Brady when Tom Brady was in his own just drop back, three step, look, fire, complete. Like it, it's just it looks effortless. I'm going with Joe Burrow against Tom Brady's old team laying the three. Uh, at the Patriots. So Bengals minus three at the Patriots. I think the Patriots are done. I think that game absolutely cooked them. I I, I am wondering a little bit why this is only a three-point spread. Maybe it's a trap, but I, if I fall into this trap and lose, so be it. I, I think the Bengals are much better. Yeah, I mean, it would feel like a square trap if not for what you just said there. Who are the Patriots after that play? And I think we'll learn very quickly in the first quarter how you should feel about that bet, but I kind of – I'm in that same – I'm in that same ballpark as you because the players, it doesn't seem like it's a collection of players that are responding to the type of coaching that Bill Belichick offers either. Usually it's like, oh, Patriots get punched in the mouth, doesn't matter. Teddy Bruschi believes in this. Uh, Tom Brady believes in this. Willie McGinnis believes in Like all of these like stalwart dudes who could rally a locker room. I don't know who that is in New England right now. So I think that – there might be a little bit of dissent there. I like that pick as well. Uh, you said we had a mailbag, Matt. We're, we're going to get to a quick thought here on Carlos Correa, but is, is, is this an NFL mailbag? Do we want to keep it in the realm of football? Uh, it's it's an all it's it's re, it's recapping the World Cup and all sports. Oh, it, so it yes, it is, a, it is sports. a football. So yeah, technically football. Yes, with the, yeah. uh, Let me pull it up here. <laughs> I want to get the exact phrasing right from uh, from brother of the podcast, Mike. Uh, also, shout out Rob for coming on last week. We got a lot of great feedback from that episode. So um, that just ins- should inspire all of you to, to nonstop text us mailbag questions, because if you send us enough, I might just give in and say, stop sending, build them up, and we'll bring you on the podcast. Um, Mike writes, is Messi winning the World Cup in his final tournament in the matter he did with how well he played the greatest sports moment ever? No. Okay. And that's not and that's not me saying that as like a non-soccer guy. Awesome sports moment. Amazing sports moment. Career affirming sports moment. National pride sports moment. All of those layers. But to and I'll I'll say this, I'll say no not because of the sport, not because of the player, not because of this, not because of that. It's you are saying is X greater than the every other data points in the history of data points, you'd have to really sit down and say, these are the 10 greatest sports moments. And then you could size it up. I'm not ready to sit here and knee jerk and say greatest sports moment of all time. Also, it doesn't mean to me what it means to the young boy in Argentina. It doesn't mean to me what it means to the Barcelona fan who lives in Miami or lives in Chicago or lives. It doesn't mean as much to me. I can respect it. I can enjoy it. I can herald it. I don't know that I could sit here and say that that is the greatest sports moment of all time and not feel a little fraudulent. Because yeah. I don't understand, I don't understand it in the way that others understand it. I am not attached to it in the way that others understand it. I am not. Um, I was not moved to tears when that occurred. I was moved to tears when Tiger Woods won the Masters in 2019 or 20, 2019, right? 2019, yep. 2019 yeah. Masters. Like so, so for me, it's a no. For others, it's a resounding yes, and that's what's beautiful about sports and sports debate is that these things are up to debate and you could probably make a great case for it because of all the different things that were outlined there and all of the different boxes that he checked. And the fact that he, even in the eyes of his countrymen, finally overcomes Maradona as the greatest, not just in the game, 
but in his country, first and foremost, I think that there's a lot there. It just doesn't mean as much to me. I can understand that emotion that comes with that. I can feel amazing for those who feel amazing, but it just doesn't affect me in that way, I guess. Yeah. I'm not sure I can pick just the one for a lot of like, for a lot of the reasons that you mentioned, because we're talking about in the history of the world. And I, I know what this world cup means on the grand stage of you know, of the entire world, obviously in America, people care about it a lot, but once you go to places like Argentina or Brazil or Europe, obviously it takes an even bigger, uh, bigger, bigger stage means a whole lot more even then. I don't know if I can personally call it the best, but I think it absolutely belongs in the conversation of the best. And if someone, if someone were to come to me and say that, that they think this is the greatest sports moment of all time, I don't think I could look them in the eyes and say, no, you're wrong. I disagree with you. I'm not sure I'd hundred percent agree with them, but I also couldn't tell someone they're wrong for thinking that if that makes sense. Yeah. And I don't know. I don't know like, if I have one I, off the I, top of my head I, either. Nor do I, but, and I don't want to, I'm not trying to drag Messi here off of what is a, like I said, a career affirming moment, not that he was in that he was requiring one, but he's also, I believe he's a spokes, not a spokesperson, but he is in bed with the Qatari government and looking at an uncomfortable deal with the Saudis. And there's a lot, uh, there's a lot of layers to celebrating an individual. So I say we celebrate the moment and what he did in that moment was unbelievable for him to score. And I think it's an even greater moment if, if they don't get the equalizer France and it doesn't go to PKs and that goal stands up an extra time. Like that yeah. would have been story of all stories. Like again, I, it doesn't mean as much to me. So when he tucks another PK, like that's just like what you're supposed to do. Like, I, yeah. like had an amazing, had an amazing tournament, had, I believe what eight goals weren't four of them from the dot. I don't, I don't know. Like, again, I'm not trying to devalue the moment. It's amazing for, for what it was. I would just have to sit down and be presented facts on empirically. These are the 10 to 20 greatest sports moments of all time for what it meant for player, country, moment, everything that's involved. I just can't sit here and, as the casual soccer fan I am, say that that's the greatest sports moment of all time. Project for the Moose and Runes listeners. <laughs> Come up with a list Present of us 10 with the to 20 sports greatest sports moments ever. Make a PowerPoint and present, and, and then we will decide. We, we get into we get into like the weird conversation of what is a moment because if you're defining the moment, yeah, it is him making the penalty kick and over, or is it him making the is it him scoring the goal in extra time, or is it him scoring? In, so is it the greatest game? Is it the greatest single game performance? Because I would argue twenty eight yeah. to three could then be in that conversation. I like, hate, to, I hate the, to be that guy too, that casual soccer fan parameters. that complains about penalty kicks. And don't get me wrong, it was still exciting. But how much cooler would the moment have been if Messi's ta- like go ahead in extra time was the game winner, and that was like how like that's what I'm saying. Sidney yeah. Crosby's goal, like Sidney Crosby's golden goal. If you want to talk about it, like that should be up there. Then yeah. like we're talking like, bring Canada back to gold when they hadn't won in a while, and hit him, you know, getting Canada over the edge, like. If if Messi's goal was the actual winner and not the penalty kick, I think that would have been added to it. But that said, if you think this is the greatest Here's moment the in sports or the greatest you know story in sports, I'm not going to tell you you're wrong. Much like any greatest of conversation, the GOAT basketball, the GOAT football, whatever, much like any of those conversations, we're looking for 
objective answers to subjective questions. This is all subject to your opinion. It's all subjected to how you were moved. And was that moving? Was that amazing to watch? 100%. It was the, the cherry on top of a event that will be remembered forever. Like for whatever it was, governments, whatever, whatever had to happen to make that tournament happen was in all likelihood unjust and terrible. The tournament was amazing. Yeah. It brought eyes to the sport in a way that the United States has probably never seen before. I believe 4 billion people watched that final. So there's, there's a tick in the box for yes of greatest sports moment of all time. But again, objective, subjective, I hope everybody enjoyed it. I hope that even people like you and I who are casual watchers of the sport, I hope the detractors of the sport, I hope the soccer stupid crowd enjoyed that moment because I don't know how you could have. Yeah, uh, it was I guess great. I'll leave it. I'll leave it at that. That's all um, I got. Matt, I think we do need to offer a thought here before we say goodbye on Carlos Correa. Like, what the hell's going on here? What happened? Was it, was a, was a San Francisco Giant on a 13-year deal. Mm-hmm. Uh, they didn't like the medicals after the physical. Gets on a private jet. He's a Met when I wake up this morning. I, uh, uh, <laughs> I guess I, my, my big takeaway here is I feel so bad for Giants fans who yeah, that's tough. Read, who read news from insiders that they had both Aaron Judge and Carlos Correa at two different points. Now, you probably never get Carlos Correa if the Judge deal goes through, but nonetheless, you thought you had two stars and you have none, and you still don't have Brandon Belt and Brandon Crawford re-signed. Like, lots a lot of ripple effects here in San Francisco, but also Steve Cohen committing $800 million in the last six weeks seems notable. Good on Steve Cohen. Like, I want, <laughs> I, I want that. I want that. I, I, from a selfish standpoint, I'm freaking – I'm 30 minutes from City Field. I'm going to go not only to – I went to a couple – I think I went to two Mets games, but we went to like five Yankees games last year. So we're going to be – we're going to be at some baseball games. we got to get you out here, Matt. we got to – uh, you know, I need to, I need to be at both parks. I have I want to cross off all thirty. That's a bucket list thing for me. And it seems well, like this, a, is, this would be a good year to find a weekend with both of them. We'll do we'll do a Friday Sunday or something. I would love to. That sounds at, like an absolutely Play fantastic. On Saturday. That sounds just lovely. Moose and, and you know, we're rolling it, now. It's got to be nice to be for you to be out there as you know a White Sox fan, you know Chicago guy, to be out there. And not really have to pick allegiances between those teams. Obviously, I know last year kind of rooted for the Yankees because Judge was doing his thing and they were making a run. But like, you're not really a Yankees fan. Like, you can go to Mets games no, 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 root no. for the Reds what too. I'm, like, you can kind of hop I'm, on board with both. It's got to be nice. What I'm rooting for. What I'm rooting for is for, for New York baseball to be New York baseball to be good, so I can go to games that matter. You know, like exactly. Season, so like, you get to root like, for both was, teams, and both teams. I was hell. Shelby and I were at, in the stadium for 40 and 41 of Judge this last year. Like, it felt like, holy shit, like, he's got 40 home runs, and we have three months left in the seat, or two months left in the seat. Like, there were cool moments that we got to, like, sit there and be a part of rather than just, hey, you want to go catch nine innings of ball? And it feels like with these two rosters, there's going to be more cool moments to be had here in both the Bronx and in Queens. So, um, Carlos, Correa's, Carlos Correa's a Met, too, I guess, is, yeah. is the point here. Uh, that's, Matt, you got anything else for the people here uh, other than Steve Cohen will likely buy either you or me to be the bad boy in the not hey, I am I with the money he's showing out I am available <laughs> for hire Steve come on and get oh, me I'll be a great morale guy great locker room guy he's a seven figure bad boy you should see this kid work with pine tar <laughs> you don't want yeah it's 
That's all I got. I got to cut myself off there. And with that, we say thank you for listening to the Moose and Roots podcast, episode 280 of the pod. It is always a blast for us. We hope you had half as much fun. Matt, think about it, the people. Later. May God give you for every storm a rainbow, for every tear a smile, for every care a promise, and a blessing in each trial. I swear I've seen a lot of stuff in my life, but that was awesome. Chicken on the steak was phenomenal.